0: What we really wanna do is make an investment in the habits that we want to repeat, because if we repeat it enough times, the effort needed comes down, 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 until it can just happen automatically.
1: Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today's guest is Georgie Fear. Hey Georgie, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you today, Ella? I am so excited to talk with you while you're up there in Vancouver, Canada, beautiful area.
0: Me too. I'm excited to chat with you. It's uh, it's not too cold here yet, but uh, it's definitely fall.
1: Well, I have to say, uh, Canadians, I am really doing you some justice. I've had uh, like the past of the past five guests I've had, I feel like three of them are from Canada. So I am representing Georgie. There's a lot of quality north of the border, <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> All right. So let's hear from you, Canada, please. A little love. Okay. So Georgie, I'm so excited to talk with you today, but I have to tell you first, the reason I reached out to you is because I've had a couple of listeners ask for you.
0: Yes! That's awesome. (laughs) And I think it's super cool that you listen To your listeners and what they want.
1: Oh my gosh. I can't live without them. Like a lot of times they're so great. They'll leave a rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher and they'll ask for guests in the rating and review, thereby killing two birds with one stone. And those guys get bumped to the head of the queue because I love them. So I really appreciate them, but they brought you to me. And here's my confession, Georgie. I'm sort of embarrassed by this, but that's okay. You can tell me it's all right. No one's listening. I'm going to tell you. I wasn't familiar with your stuff. I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I'm now a huge fan. Otherwise I wouldn't be Interviewing you. But the first thing that I learned about you was that you have apparently, judging by your book cover, like 0.0% body fat, and <laughs> which I'm still, we can still be friends, and that you look like a fitness model and that you have this beautiful smile. And I was like, I don't want to interview Fitness Barbie with a new diet book. No. Oh. Okay, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just being. I'm I'm just telling it like it is. Okay, but well, you've <laughs> got that
0: flattering picture of you on your podcast where you like amazing. So yeah, we're even. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then it turns out I'm a sexist pig because I saw this image of you. I am just telling the truth here. I saw this image of you. You are absolutely in just just fabulous shape and you just exude energy and you're a beautiful woman. And then I, you know, I do my research. So I read your book and I listened to a couple of interviews that you've done and so on and so forth. And I was like, gosh, that girl's got chops. Like this woman knows what she's talking about. Like she, she's no dummy. And then I was like, okay, Ella, you literally thought that she wouldn't have as much to contribute because she looks amazing in a bait. Like what is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm a complete sexist pig. I just thought everybody should know that.
0: You know, honestly, I don't, you're definitely not the only one. And I am aware of that. And it's, it's kind of <laughs> funny. And I laugh about it at times that nobody cares that I'm a legit scientist with an Ivy League degree. They're all like, whoa, abs.
1: I think that's a great place to start. Tell us a little bit about your credentials because the one thing that was readily obvious to me is that you did not, in fact, get your degree at Google University.
0: (laughs) No, I definitely have pedigreed myself the traditional way. So I did an undergraduate degree in nutrition. I then went and did a registered dietitian's internship. So they call it a dietetic internship at Cornell University. And after I finished that, I decided I wanted some more school. So I went back to Rutgers University to do a PhD in nutrition. And while I was doing that, I started working with people one-on-one doing sports nutrition and weight loss counseling. And I've racked up 10 years of experience doing sports nutrition and weight loss counseling, I didn't actually decide to finish my PhD. So despite having 10 years of higher education, you don't have to call me Dr. Fear, though I admit it would be pretty, pretty cool.
1: It's almost a reason to finish your PhD.
0: It is. I've considered it. But you know, my career is so awesome. And I love what I do so much that I really don't really need it unless you want to stay in academia. And I did just decide to pursue my board certification in sports nutrition. And I just finished that this summer. So that's why I'm very proud to have the CSSD after my name now.
1: Oh, well, congratulations, Georgie. Thanks.
0: It was a little too late to make the book cover, but eh, next book.
1: Put it next to the bikini somewhere. You could be like, I'm also really, really smart.
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, I wasn't really sure what sort of image would be best for the book cover, and the publisher made the call.
1: Oh, this to- one, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, because that's marketing. I mean, at the end of the day, people want to look like you, and that is, uh, uh, sadly enough, that is going to motivate more of us than the intelligence behind what we end up getting once we get in, but yeah, it's definitely there's a there's a critical path there and the first item is we have to see that and visually want to find it aspirational and then we'll read the content i mean we're just we're ridiculous but that's how it works
0: And hopefully they crack it open and in five seconds realize this is not another diet book.
1: Well, and that's what happened to me. And I'm protective of my audience and I don't share diets. Good for you. (laughs) No, thank you. And plus, I mean, how many shows can you have where where you share different diets? Like it just doesn't logically bear out. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, you're like, no, this week, try this one. And so while I started out skeptical and I was very free to admit it, it took me five minutes of reading to realize, like I said, that you know I was the idiot. So, so one of the reasons I wanted to share your credentials and your background a little bit, Georgie, is because a lot of times we hear about nutritional coaching and, and fitness and nutrition. And my audience knows I've never, ever, ever claimed to be an expert in that realm. I just am very passionate about it as an individual. So I bring the experts to my people. With that said, you never really know what you're getting on the interwebs, do you? I mean, it's really dangerous and confusing because you're like, well, this guy says that. And so many people, they they have a fitness routine that they love or a dietary plan that they follow that they're in love with and it worked for them. And that's great and wonderful. But that doesn't actually make them an expert. This is
0: so true. It is. um, Yeah, there's no quality control on the internet. Everybody can... You know, post what they want to post. And you're right, there's a lot of internet trained coaches or people that have never taken a college course in nutrition or psychology that are out there uh, promoting themselves as nutrition coaches. Not to say that universally they're bad. I know some people that happen to not be academically credentialed that do good work, but that's exactly what you can't tell.
1: Well, you're exactly right. And I would like to jump into the core principles, Georgie, behind your protocol that you share with so many people all over the world. And it should be said before we get into this, it should be said that you actually do work with people all over the world, right? You're internet based. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely. I started doing one-on-one nutrition coaching, just like many other registered dietitians. I worked in a personal training studio. I worked in a. I worked in sports nutrition for Rutgers University Athletics. And then I worked in a hospital for a while. So I have kind of run the gamut of one-on-one counseling scenarios. And then uh, I started AskGeorgie.com, this blog, just to help people for free because there was so little quality advice on the internet that I said, you know what? People should be able to get reliable, trustworthy, no shtick, not trying to sell them anything advice for free on the internet. So askgeorgie.com started in 2008 when I was a graduate student. And over time, more and more people were asking me if I would work with them over the internet because they didn't live in my town. And they couldn't find anyone to give that that same level of realness and common sense you know, within their geographic range. So I kind of got lured online by my readers.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's great because I think people, as they listen today, should be should know that they can actually get in touch with you, which is not always the case, um, that they could actually consult with you and, and benefit from your services no matter where they are. So that's good to know. Let's talk a little bit before we get in to the specifics of your protocol and of, you, of what you recommend and kind of the foundation of and the core principles behind what you do. Tell us a little bit about how you got here.
0: Uh, yes, I I certainly have run the gamut of dietary mistakes. I have experienced what a lot of my clients and my readers have experienced with just feeling lousy about their bodies and having it impact their self esteem, as well as having some confusion about you know what's good and what's bad, and is there something wrong with me for wanting to eat more than I sh- quote should. I've certainly had a compulsive relationship with exercise at times where I felt like, oh no, I ate cookies. I better go to the gym tomorrow and work out extra hard. And I don't even think that's too rare in this day and age. I think it's almost the standard North American women, you know, mindset that just gets, you know, dispensed to us all that we should be a little worried about the things that we eat and our bodies and worry about how much exercise we're doing and for me to to develop the lean habits system that we now use with our clients and as it appears in the book it took a lot of trial and error with you know different types of more restrictive strategies and finding out that they just don't stick long term you know i got as tired of trying things and finding that they were unsustainable as every other you know, woman out there and some men, you know, you try counting calories and then it's just too much work and you, you kind of want your life back or you try weighing things out and you realize it's just taking so much time and effort, um, you know, avoiding food groups. I broke up with peanut butter for a year. That is desperation. That's my favorite food. And so for me, I, I think it really helps me relate to the reader and relate to my clients to say, Hey, I've been there. I have wanted to lose weight, but not wanted to diet anymore. And You don't have to choose between a healthy body weight and a life without dieting. You cannot diet and still be at a healthy body weight. So that's what I'm excited to tell people about.
1: Okay. So we agree that diets are stupid and they don't work. And some of the other things that you're saying is they generally are just, they decrease your quality of life so much that you don't want to stick with it. Or another point that I know you fundamentally believe in is that they just, they demand too much change all at once.
0: Yeah, it makes it incredibly difficult when you're trying to change everything about not only what you eat, but also your food routines when you cook, when you shop, what you shop for and cook. Um, it tends to take so much mental energy that it's just not sustainable if we want to live a full life complete with a job and friends and you know, other productive things that we're doing.
1: I think so many people can relate to this because we're like, oh, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to go do this. All of a sudden I'm paleo or I'm a meal prepper or whatever, whatever it is, whatever diet program you put yourself on or whatever new thing that you embrace. And it requires a huge amount of energy, which you might have at the outset, but wow, we can run out of steam quickly. Can't we?
0: Yeah. If something's going to last for your lifetime, it has to work on the bad days. You have to be able to do it on the days when you have significant personal drama.
1: Well, so what you said to me that made really, really good sense to me was you said instead of focusing on your weight and whether it's changing or not, that you recommend focusing on the behaviors you are working on and doing those as consistently as possible. Like that's the magic sauce, right?
0: Yeah, it really is. You know, I think a lot of us can relate to that kind of cyclical routine of wake up, step on the scale, all of a sudden feel good or bad about our day. And it hasn't even started yet. That actually can be detrimental when we're trying to lose weight. Because if we wake up and the scale says we're up, we feel disheartened. We feel like we're failing. We It's a major hit to our confidence, which makes it harder to eat well when you're feeling low confidence. And if we wake up and the scale's down, that can actually have a bit of a tricky interaction too with our mindset because we feel like, well, I can probably get away with a couple extra pretzels today. And then we start not sticking to our behaviors as consistently as we'd like to. And we hold our progress before it develops any momentum. And so we just end up staying the same weight for weighing ourselves all the time.
1: Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but my cycle looks something like, oh, you know, life gets difficult or out of control or whatever, for whatever reason. And so it starts showing up in my eating habits. And of course, you're not sleeping as much, which makes you resort to sugar comfort foods faster, right? More readily. And then you eat and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. So I should exercise. And then maybe you don't. So you're focused on what you just put in your mouth the next time. And it's like this vicious cycle. For me, I'm never focused on the scale because I don't use one, but I'm focused on the food. And so what what I did with that piece of insight from you is I was like, I need to stop focusing on the food and really pay attention to the habit, like the behavior. So if I can pay attention to my behaviors instead of my calories or my macros or this or that or I ate too many carbs and really look at the behaviors. That was a major epiphany for me. I don't know if it will have the same impact on somebody else that might be listening right now.
0: I hope so. I sure hope so. And it's it's so easy to focus on the here and now. What do I feel about that last thing that I ate? But if we're thinking about it in the context of habits, what we really want to do is make an investment in the habits that we want to repeat. Because if we repeat it enough times, the effort needed comes down, 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 down until it can just happen automatically.
1: Well, I have spoken before about uh, Gretchen Rubin's book called Better Than Before, and we interviewed her, and it's all about how different people form habits and keep habits. So I love that we're able to follow up that discussion with your book on lean habits. So let's connect the dots now between how you get from, okay, so we agree that the diet model is broken. How did you develop a protocol and everything that you do based around habits? Like, how did you come up with these and, and sort of what's the story there.
0: Well, it started quite a bit with my clients. You know, I had, you know, had a f- education in nutrition. I was working with people and it came to be that the single clearest obstacle that people report uh, that they struggle with during weight loss is hunger, its appetite. And so My husband, as some people know and some people don't know, but I'm going to fill you in here. My husband is a brilliant nutrition coach and we actually got together and we have these wonderful nutrition discussions at home all the time. Sometimes I think if we recorded them, people would love to hear them.
1: What's his Uh, name, Georgie?
0: My husband's name is Roland Fisher. Got it. And uh, he's actually the reason I'm in Canada. I was living in Colorado when I met him and he is definitely worth moving to another country for. (laughs) So Roland and I, we kind of talked about like, what would our mission be if we wanted to make the best system possible? We wanted to make getting into a calorie deficit as comfortable as we could. That was like our mission statement. And so we looked at what makes it comfortable or what makes it uncomfortable. So we wanted to look at research. You know, I'm a nerd. I wanted to see what scientists had found makes it comfortable to lose weight or not comfortable to lose weight. And so that led me to look at, you know, what type of meal patterns work Does eating lots of small meals work better? Does eating more or less protein work better? Does eating more or less fat work better? And just a secret from my past, I actually did a lot of research during my unfinished PhD years on how the brain regulates the amount of food that we take in. And I learned a lot about, you know, actually what we put on our plates and how we time our meals can help us feel more full. So I started writing that up into... uh, Articles and eventually sandwiched them all together into a complete system. And I've been using it with people for years now. And it keeps getting refined, but I am just pleased as punch with how this type of system works with people. You know, uh, my clients have to invest more patience than if they're doing a fad diet. You know, let's be clear on that. This is not going to result in losing 10 pounds by the end of the week. However, when you look at it long term, People are comfortable. People enjoy the process. You know, They're not miserable people on a diet. And after they reach their goals, they just cruise. They're done with that cycle. They move on to exploring a new career, exploring a new hobby. And that's so fulfilling as a coach. I can't even tell you.
1: Once you make something a habit, it requires so much less mental energy, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. You know, It can get to the point where you don't even think about it. I tell uh, a story in my book that... When you get used to only eating when you're hungry, of course there's the initial investment of, am I hungry? No, okay, let me not eat, even though it was my instinct to do so. But after you've practiced that habit for a while, it kind of seems like eating when you're not hungry is like putting on a raincoat when it's sunny outside. It's just not something that occurs to you to do. And how much easier is life when it doesn't occur to you to eat unless you're hungry? It just, everything gets easier.
1: I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I appreciated so much about your lean habits protocol is that I learned something immediately just from the first one. So let's talk about them. I want to get into your core habits. You have 16 fundamental habits, but you very wisely said these four are the core. They are eat three or four meals per day without snacking. Lean habit number two is master your hunger. Lean habit number three is eating just enough and lean habit number 4 is eat mostly whole foods. And you're you you came into my life at a perfect time because I'm struggling with 75% of those. Really? <laughs> I really am. I really am. I'm very very active so it lets me get away with a lot, but that doesn't mean that that's okay. That doesn't mean that I still want that I want to be thinking about food 80% of the day. I I hope I'm exaggerating. No, I definitely I'm struggling with figuring out whether I'm trying to do intermittent fasting or whether I'm trying to do one huge meal a day or three meals a day or six small meals a day, you know, I'm still trying to figure out where that meter lies for me personally and master your hunger. You talk about, you know, let yourself get hungry and, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to stop myself and I'm going to jump in a lean habit number one with you. And I'm going to tell you, dear listeners, I'm right there with you. I am really struggling with these and Georgie's already helping me. So let's talk about it.
0: So do you think you're actually going to like do this? Like maybe we can have a real life experiment. Like Ella shares it, tells it like it is point blank. I tried it. This was easy. This was hard. It worked or it didn't.
1: You know what? I thought about that. I'll be very candid with you. I actually thought about when we do our, Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you bit. I thought about asking you, do you want to try this? Like make me your N equals one Guinea pig over here. And because honestly, I think it might be kind of cool to do that and then follow up with everybody on the air.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I actually, one of my favorite little client stories to tell is not even a client. Somebody received a copy of the book from amazon.com because they do independent reviews, but they have something called the Vine program. So people that consistently leave reviews that are voted as helpful by other Amazon users, they'll, Amazon will send them free stuff to review. So long story short, this lovely woman named Lana, received a copy of my book for free as a reviewer for the Vine program. And lo and behold, since the book came out, she has lost 40-something pounds. She has never paid me a dime. She is not a coaching client. She has not used any bit of my for-fee services. She didn't even have to purchase the book. She just got the book and said, you know, I'm supposed to review this, but this sounds worth a try. She's tried it, and she has just been an amazing transformation of her life. And she's um, she's a great example as well of how someone doesn't have to be 25. I believe she's in her 60s. So,
1: Are you like, uh, you could buy a copy?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Like, this is worth so much more than the small amount that I would receive from selling one more copy of the book, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love it. I love it. Well, I think that would be really cool. So let's do that. Let's commit to the listeners right now that we will, I mean, I'll absolutely take this on. It's already It's already helped me think about things differently and I'd love to openly commit to actually practice and then follow up with you where the listeners can participate in hearing it and come along the journey with us. That's
0: awesome, and you know we've already added you to the Facebook group, so you can totally share in there. Now, let's be honest, you don't have a lot of weight to lose, so if you lose 30 pounds, I'm gonna be concerned about you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't worry, I'd have to cut off a limb to lose 30 pounds, I think.
0: Let's not set that goal, but you can be a great example of how your life can improve, and there's all these non-physical benefits from having an easy relationship with food. And I think one of the benefits of these habits is just how sustainable it is. Uh, my book cover is got a fake tan on it, but it's not photoshopped. And I actually do look like that 365 days a year. And I don't do anything other than lean habits.
1: See, I have such a hard time with that. I don't understand it. I don't understand how people don't go up and down. And I'm like, I'm ready to figure that out. And I want to lead so many people to figuring that out and like bring them the right resources to help them figure that out.
0: I just like promoting that you don't have to do extreme things to get lean and stay lean. I do really extreme things like wait until I'm hungry before I eat. (laughs) Crazy. For sure. People can stay lean and healthy without doing anything wacky.
1: Well, and that is what gives everybody hope, right? So that's what I want to share with everybody is I just want to bring the right resources to the show who say, you know, I want to be honest with you. There's no magic bullet, you know, insert grown here. Like there's no magic bullet. It takes a change in habit. And if there were a magic pill, you know, we'd all look the way we want to look and feel the way we want to feel like it takes a little bit of effort, but Efforts can vary. And what I love about your protocol is one of your efforts in your lean habit number one is eat three or four meals a day without snacking. Okay. Uh, so talk to me about eating three or four meals per day without snacking because it's a direct contradiction to so many things that are out there right now. And I'm going to try this. So you need to tell me, Ella, why and how this works.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think that eating three or four meals is, if you asked me 10 years ago, if, if, that would be the habit that I would most say, "Oh, I'll, I would never write that," because <laughs> I was eating six meals a day like everybody else was. And this was a real surprise to me when I dug into the research and found that eating smaller, more frequent meals actually correlates with taking in more calories per day. And that just knocked me—that just knocked me right on my butt.
1: So that whole keep your blood sugar stabilized, eat six small meals a day is. Actually, driving an increase in the number of calories you're consuming? Yes. I believe and it. I mean, I, that's easy to believe.
0: And when we sit and look at our own intake, you know, my experience, I could say, okay, so let's say I eat six times a day and they're very small. Naturally, you can't eat six large meals a day and expect to lose weight. I was just maintaining my weight and I wasn't overweight, but I wasn't as lean as I wanted to be. And I kept feeling like there's got to be a better way. So As I was doing research and I found out small, frequent feedings tends to increase calorie intake. And if we reduce the number of feedings, but put the same number of calories in them, they're more satisfying. So I had to sit with that. I had to think about it and go, okay. So instead of six 300 calorie meals, if I ate three times a day and each of them was 600 calories, I was thinking, that sounds like really big meals. Like It kind of was intriguing. Like, Will our bodies actually tell us yeah, we don't need food for more hours if we eat a larger meal. And I was, I am a a gradual change person. I'm the type of person that takes an hour to get into a swimming pool, like one toe at a time. So I just decided, you know, maybe I'll just try and stop snacking between breakfast and lunch. I'll just take my morning snack and add it to my breakfast. I'll eat them both at the same time and see if it gets me to lunch at the same time. And lo and behold, it did. So that's kind of standard procedure that we do with our clients. Now, if somebody says, Okay, got it level with you. I'm terrified. Eating three or four times a day feels like a huge jump. We just break it down. Okay, no huge jumps here. We don't want anybody feeling scared. All we're going to do is take your morning snack and add it to your breakfast and see if you can get to lunch. Just eating both of them at the same time. By and large, people start doing that and they realize, hey, this is kind of cool because I have a lot more time in my day when there's more hours between meals where I'm not feeling hungry and it is more satisfying to eat the same level of calories Which naturally translates into, well, if I want to eat 100 or 200 calories less, now I feel like it's feasible. When I was eating six small meals a day, the idea of eating one bite less at any of them made me want to cry.
1: So you're saying take that mid-morning thing that some people do, I do, and combine it with breakfast or lunch?
0: Yeah. Get a a satisfying breakfast. A lot of people, they eat a pretty small breakfast and that's why they need that mid-morning snack. So I say start the day getting satisfied and then you're at liberty for four hours or more without feeling hungry. You've got energy. You can do your job. You can do your sport. You can take care of your kids. Um, And then when you get to lunchtime, you'll be hungry and so you'll eat a satisfying lunch. And then similarly, you can get more hours without necessarily needing an afternoon snack.
1: Georgie, so many people are racing out the door and not making time for breakfast. What do you see works in the real world with regard to having a robust, healthy breakfast?
0: A lot of people for convenience will make their breakfasts in advance. So yogurt, fruit, and nuts. I have one person who makes protein pancakes and puts them in baggies and freezes them. And she does like a huge batch every two weeks. And then in the morning, she just grabs a baggie and heads out the door. And then at the office, she pops it in the microwave or the toaster.
1: I think that... um Yogurt. I have to say with yogurt, you guys, if you're in the yogurt aisle, please flip it around and look at the sugar content because there's yogurt and then there's yogurt and some of them are nothing but sugar and try to look for the real stuff. Protein pancakes are genius. So I always forget about those. There's some
0: great recipes on my website, askgeorgie.com and they involve oats, egg whites, and a blender.
1: And I have a couple recipes that just are like banana based and some protein powder. I'll link to your your protein pancakes and I'll throw a couple recipes on the site um, because I it never even occurred to me to make those the night before, P.S. That's the other thing. I mean, my son, he makes this now himself, which is just amazing because when I was his age, I would pour like whatever box of cereal happened to be on the table into a bowl and that was my breakfast every day of my life, I think. He comes down in the morning and he makes himself an egg and he puts some spinach in there and, he, and sometimes he'll put like a dab of cheese and salsa on top. <laughs> he's not normal. Oh, yeah. Okay, He's 14 and he's been doing this for about three years and he makes himself a hot breakfast and he eats it and I think the whole process takes eight minutes from the stove to the plate going in the dishwasher. That's awesome. We exaggerate the effort that having a hot breakfast requires.
0: You know, I make an omelet every morning and I have the luxury of working at home, but I did it when I was in high school. I was well fueled for my day.
1: <laughs> okay, so three to four meals a day without snacking. I get that because when you try, like I've tried all sampled from all of these different things because I read a lot and I learn a lot. And this is clearly a passion of mine. And I've ended up just all over the map, which means I've ended up nowhere. So I I actually am, I'm interested to try four meals a day and not thinking of snacking or grabbing something and just letting myself get hungry. By the way, it's totally four. It's not three meals for me. I'm just going to tell you right now. (laughs) I usually eat four
0: as well. It's kind of, A personal preference difference, there's a lot of people out there that really enjoy the richer, more calorie dense foods. And so for them, they can still eat with a bit more caloric density, as in a bit more butter, a bit more cheese, a bit more red meat, if they just get it into three meals a day
1: that leads us into habit number two, which is master your hunger. I mean, those two are, they overlap so much. And this is a huge struggle of mine. And a lot of people that I talk to, and I didn't really realize until you opened my eyes to it. I really don't let myself get hungry. I mean, I feel hungry, but it's more of a mental thing than a, my belly is hungry thing. And like the moment I feel true hunger, I'm like, so talk to us about mastering your hunger because It seems so obvious, and yet so few of us do it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. This was another one that was the huge eye opener for me because not only was I eating six times a day, I was preventing hunger like it was my job. I had food in my glove compartment, I had food stashed in my desk. I mean, the lab could have been, you know, barricaded and I would have lived for a week because (laughs) I had plenty of snacks stashed here and there. So, my husband actually was the one that suggested this to me, you know, honey, if you're not as lean as you would like to be, what about letting yourself get hungry every now and then? And I was like, irate. Like, what? That's just not right. I hate what hunger. are you, nuts? Yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. And then, you know, as husbands and wives tend to do, you go, Ugh, yeah, maybe he's got a great point there. I do really, I'm kind of petrified of hunger. I think I had done too much extreme dieting in the past and me and hunger had a traumatic relationship, you know? So I said, you know, I can probably deal with feeling a little bit of hunger and not feeling so anxious. I was, I was really feeling anxious about hunger. Like it would mean I would pass out or I would feel sick or I don't know, something non-specifically bad would happen. So I decided, okay, I can practice feeling hunger just like someone that has a phobia for a very small exposure. I'll let myself feel hungry once a day and I'll bring some awareness to it. Hopefully I'll realize I'm not dying. And then I'll go get something to eat. So it's not you a know, big, scary experience. And I actually did that for several days in a row. And I started to feel so empowered. Like, yeah, my stomach's grumbling. I'm hungry and I'm not wigging out. I'm going to eat in a few minutes, but I'm not panicking. <laughs> and we kind of call it hunger mastery to keep it fun. But a lot of times I describe it as making friends with your hunger. Your hunger there to help you out. Just as much as I recommend waiting until you feel hungry... I'm certainly not saying ignore your hunger. Like, let yourself feel hungry. This is not the Hunger Games where we're just going to practice being you know, disordered and going hungry for hours and hours and hours. That is absolutely not what we're talking about. But it's perfectly healthy to have a relationship with hunger where you feel it, you don't panic, and you eat within 30 to 60 minutes. Does that make sense to you,
1: Ella? It really does. I mean, in your own words, like – I habitually treated hunger as if it were a flesh-eating virus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. And I love your point that hunger is not an emergency, right? And that feeling appropriately hungry for each meal is your assurance that you're actually eating just the right amount.
0: Yeah. It's so reassuring for somebody that has a lot of worries about, oh, am I eating too much? Did I eat too much at that one event? Or am I just in a pattern? Like, Am I eating excessively and I don't really know it? It can be the reassurance that people need to stop counting calories because rather than letting some app or numeric total tell you where you're at for the day, your appetite will tell you. It's either not showing up and indicating you don't really need food right now, that we're all good, or you start to feel hungry and you know, okay, we're ready for some more fuel.
1: One thing that I just want to repeat that you've already touched on is I'm excluding one group from this conversation if you have struggled with anorexia or you enjoy the control of allowing yourself to go hungry for extended periods of time i'm booting you out of the next few minutes of this conversation because this is not for you when you start to carry this beyond a normal window of 3 hours or a 4 hours or whatever that may be that's disordered <laughs> you're talking about Doing what people have done for millions and millions of years before we had food available to us literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week on every corner. And that is let your body metabolize a meal, let it get hungry for the next one, and then eat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I I actually, I give the window of 30 to 60 minutes as the guideline. Oh, I see. I I don't even go up to that three-hour business. Like, there's no need to let hunger go for more than an hour on a regular basis and ignore it. So if you want to make friends with it, it means not ignoring it, too. As we're going to talk about in the third habit, you know, we want to pay attention to our body signals when it's had enough to eat. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin. We want to listen to our body when it says we're hungry and then also do it the honor of listening when it says, okay, I'm pretty satisfied now.
1: Okay. And so lean habit number three is eating just enough. And I want to talk about habit number two and three together, because this is really the meat habit. Number four is eating mostly whole foods. And my people are super on board with that theoretically, even, even those who are not quite embracing it in their, in their day to day life just yet. But habits two and three are really where a lot of the struggle is. So master your hunger and eat just enough. So what is false hunger?
0: Well, false hunger could be described as what you said earlier, where you want to eat, but it's not really a stomach-centered sensation. And Some examples of that are when you have a sensory appeal, like you walk past the Cinnabon in the mall. Like, oh, that aroma is so good. A lot of us will feel something in our stomachs that feels a lot like hunger, but it's a flash in the pan. It's like a five or ten minute experience, and then it goes away. Have you had that before?
1: Oh, please. <laughs> Smelling I, I someone's have. lunch. Yes, I have. And I mean, I think that's super natural and it's emotional rather than belly centered, right?
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's another category of false hunger would be emotional hunger. We can easily develop a pattern where we get agitated or upset and we habitually eat. And our brains are no fools. Our brain knows patterns. So the next time that you get agitated or upset, your brain's going to be like, and food?
1: Uh-huh. Yep.
0: <laughs> Where's, where are we eating? Um, the third category can be what I call eatertainment. Sometimes we eat just because it's fun, and I definitely love food. I love cooking. I love reading about food. I love eating food. <laughs> so for someone who loves food, it's super logical that you think about you know engaging in that just because it's a pleasant experience. So for someone that loves food, I definitely don't want to diminish the pleasure that food adds to their life. I just recommend using it along with your hunger signals so that you're not actually enjoying food for the pleasure of it on its own, but you enjoy food for the pleasure when you're hungry. Kind of honor them both.
1: So if entertainment is... What you, how you describe eating to alleviate or prevent boredom or to entertain yourselves or be social. What is procrastinating? How do you say it?
0: Procrastinating.
1: Procrastinating. I love this.
0: Procrastinating is eating so we can avoid doing another task. <laughs>
1: I have three companies. I have three LLCs. And when my taxes were due, I think I gained like three pounds.
0: (laughs) The irony was how often I was deterring myself from procrastinating while I was writing the book.
1: (laughs) Writing books apparently is like the least healthy thing you can do to yourself.
0: It's tough. It is tough. And, uh, I, I would just acknowledge and say out loud, wow, I have such an inkling to procrastinate right now. I'm going to make a mug of tea. And I, would, I went through a lot of tea, a lot of seltzer. You can acknowledge it and work with it. Just because you have the idea or the desire or impulse to eat doesn't mean you have to act on it.
1: Yeah. So if you're like, if it's time to study for exams or if you have to do, you know, 17 sets of taxes, whatever the case may be, this actually procrastinating, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's not about laziness, is it? It's actually more prevalent or equally as prevalent in people who are hardworking and driven, right?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, absolutely. People who procrastinate are often people that are not giving themselves much rest earlier in the day. So if you're multitasking all the time, taking care of everyone else's needs, and not making time for yourself, sometimes a break to get some food feels like it's the only legitimate thing to do. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. I have something that in my head I call transition eating that I've noticed is a habit of mine. And that is if I'm transitioning from one major activity or train of thought to another, I find that in those spaces of transition on any given day that I actually look to food or something to break up those time blocks, which I think is so odd.
0: Well, I would say if you're thinking that you might want to change that habit, I wouldn't say, okay, I don't get a break. I don't get a transition. I would just swap it for maybe transition sitting. Like I'm going to put my butt on the couch for five minutes, or I'm going to make a cup of tea. Because a lot of times our initial resistance to that, like if I said, put your butt on the couch and you're like, I can't do that. That's laziness. If you had five minutes to snack, you have five minutes just to decompress.
1: No, it's true. I mean, one of the things that I'm a huge proponent of is literally just going outside for five minutes. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay. You have a great tip that I love, and it's you're not starving. You're just hungry. Watch your language. Can you tell us what that means?
0: Absolutely. When we say I'm starving, it has the same impact on us as if we were thinking I'm in danger. It's, it's a bit of melodrama. And so, when clients write that, I'll often say, "Are you really starving? Or are you just hungry?" And when we switch the language that we use, even just in our own inner dialogue and our thoughts, it helps us repaint the picture that hunger is not this demon thing because many people would say they're not hungry and then they're starving. they've kind of lost the concept that there's really a middle ground and if you've ever known someone or personally known actual food insecurity, the idea that you would say I'm starving when you haven't eaten in four hours is, you know, it's, it's not terribly literal, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, and I say it all the time. I'm like, Oh, I'm starving. I mean, I say it all the time and I'm a huge believer in, you know, telling yourself the stories that you want to live out. And I hadn't, hadn't connected the dots on that one. So I love it. I do want to mention again, Habit number three is eat just enough. I'm not sure if we did that justice, but I mean, we get it, right? Like there's a curve where you're eating not enough so it doesn't do the job or you're eating too much so you feel slow and lethargic or bloated or uncomfortable. And there's that zone in the middle. Why is that zone so hard to hit, Georgie? I think
0: sometimes it's because uh, we're looking for one specific bite. (laughs) Like if you're looking for, like if people say, okay, I want to eat the right amount, Sometimes they get flustered, like, I just can't tell. Well, if you're not eating enough, you're going to get a pretty clear signal. Like, don't push away the plate when you're still hungry. And then on the other hand, you get a pretty clear signal if you eat you know, unequivocally too much and you feel uncomfortable. And that zone in the middle is kind of wide, and it's actually okay to fall at different spots in that zone. Because all it will do is change the timing for when you get hungry for your next meal. So let's say you stop, you know, a little earlier on that green zone and that might be okay, I'm going to start to feel hunger and expect to eat again in about 4 hours. And let's say you eat a little bit more than that, not till you're feeling uncomfortable, a bit more substantial fullness, then you may simply not be hungry for 6 hours or 7 hours. You can get used to what your own pattern is and there's no right or wrong again because we're looking for 3 or 4 meals a day. There's some flexibility. I hate when people feel like one false move and they're going to ruin their nutrition because it's you're really not that fragile or delicate. I think if people are interested and they investigate, you know, looking into the system to see if it's something that appeals to them, that's the biggest tip I can give. Think about it as practice. Show up as a beginner, which means you're not skilled, you're going to make mistakes and that's totally okay. That's why we practice. You're going to get better at it. If you haven't practiced making friends with hunger, it's going to take some time to have it get easier. And so allow yourself to be bad at the stuff. When you first start practicing, you're going to learn.
1: Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to becoming your latest experiment. So this is going to be really, really interesting. And those core habits again, guys are eat three or four meals per day without snacking, master your hunger, eating just enough, and eat mostly whole foods. And Georgie, as I said, we've talked a lot about lean habit number four, so we won't delve into that today, but you have a lot of practical tips about that, and people, of course, need to go to you to check out your work and, and learn more about that. What I love about you is that you're not saying carbs are evil. You know, you, you talk about how to be conscious about what you're eating without making it just ridiculous. So I, I, I appreciate that very much. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to share a few other things that people can learn from you in the rest of your lean habits, lean habit five through 16. They're things like hydration. You talk about sleep and you talk about conquering emotional eating and you talk about managing treats and uh, adapting your carbohydrate strategy for your goals and then eating the right amount of fat. And so you get into all of these things that, that, Ella Nation is completely on board with and wants to learn more about so guys check out Georgie at askgeorgie.com where she has so many resources and a huge following and join me in her Facebook group because I literally signed on today and that Facebook group can be found at what is it lean habits community I think
0: You got it. It's a lean habits community.
1: No worries. We'll make it easy. So that sounds great. Everybody can get in there with me and go on this journey with me. It should be fun. And Georgie, we have to ask you a couple questions. Let's do it. You are all about habits. What one habit does everybody need to try just for the one week, just to stick their toe in the water, Georgie?
0: My favorite one to have people just start with is to let yourself feel hungry and realize that you can stay calm. You feel it for even just two or three minutes and then go about eating your meal. And I think you'll find it's really empowering to realize that uh, it is not the boss of you.
1: It is not a flesh-eating virus.
0: Yes. No one dies because they get a little hungry.
1: Part of me is like, are you sure? But I can't wait to find out.
0: (laughs) It feels really good, actually. Like people start like, uh, I'm just accepting this kind of level of discomfort in exchange for weight loss. And then they totally turn around and say, I actually really like this. I love how my meals taste when I've got a good appetite for them.
1: Before I let you go, tell me one resource that you want to recommend to everybody.
0: If you're in the market for books and you would like another book that talks about habit-based fitness as well as nutrition, Google Josh Hillis and swing by his website, LoseStubbornFat.com. He's got a book out. It's called Fat Loss Happens on Monday, and he co-authored it with Dan John, and it has just got some great gems. He and I work closely quite a bit. We're frequent collaborators, and uh, he's got some great unique takes from his own perspective on how people can use habits to change everything from not only their nutrition, but also their gym habits and their workouts. And it's pretty awesome.
1: Okay, great. So I will share your book with everyone. I'll share Josh's book with everyone. And then I will link to the first chapter of lean habits, your book, I will put a link in there where people can read the first chapter for free. That sounds great. Okay, Georgie, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back on the show. And I just appreciate your time so much.
0: You know where I'm at. You can drop a line anytime. And I look forward to chatting with your readers online because I'm sure a bunch of them are going to come join the community and watch you uh, in action.
1: Yeah, I'll see you in there. Thanks, Georgie. Thank you. Bye.